welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, yes, folks, welcome back once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 113 for January the 16th, 2017. I'm your host, Jack. I'm going to be guiding you into, through, and back out of the world of systems administration, network administration, and all fields of IT. This show is still a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at Tech podcast.com folks we're going to be learning how to be a server administrator if not it's not hard to learn how to be a server administrator check out my online courses these courses will teach you windows server 2008 r2 windows server 2012 r2 just simply go to the great brand new released for this year website itproedu.com that's I-T-P-R-O-E-D-U dot com. Get started on your future today. Check out the website if you got a chance. That's at tipsfromtheserverroom.com where you can comment on these shows. You can also leave me a voice message at 724-701-0550. Once again, that's 724-701-0550. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, I would love to hear from you. And you can email me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and as at Technoman. In this evening's class for the new year, I thought I would talk a little bit about this show, about having working or what we've been working on at the office. You know, uh, working in education, I told my partner the other day that we have a very unique uh, way of learning because we get to touch so many different types of technology. It's unbelievable uh, how many different technology we have in the school districts. And, and this is all schools. So if you work in a school, then I applaud you. You, you have a chance to work on many different kinds of technologies. But when I recently took over the current position at the, uh, at the new school district, I, ain't hi- and <laughs> I can't even talk tonight. I'm so excited about the uh, coming back to you guys here in January. But I inherited servers running Microsoft Hyper-V, and I am a longtime user of VMware ESXi, which we also have some of those servers, and we also have Citrix Zen servers. Now, if you've never worked on a Zen server, it's pretty close to the VMware ESXi, probably even more so uh, than what the, it's closer to the Hyper-V. So, but that's a Zen, and that's a Citrix server. So... There's many different types of virtualization softwares out there. Now, I'm planning, my thoughts is just to convert everything over to VMware ESXi. And why am I converting to ESXi, you might ask? Because, you know, mainly it's what I know and uh, it's what I'm very, very comfortable with. So it looks like we're going to be taking probably roughly 25 servers and converting them all over to VMware. Uh, so the Hyper-V will go away, uh, the Zen services will go away, and we'll, we'll, we'll standard, standardize on one platform. 
Now, basically, why is that important? Well, for manageability, you want to uh, standardize on one platform. And it could be any one of these three. All three of these are very, very good. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I like about the Hyper-V, the Microsoft Hyper-V, that I've never really used it in the past. And when I first sat down at the console, uh, which you load on your workstation, it's very, very nice to be able to right-click on it, say connect, and it basically opens up an RDP session right to that server. So you can be very comfortable at it. You, you would know how to do that very, very well and be able to uh, run that server just like we've ran uh, RDP services for, for years, right? Everybody uses RDP to connect to their servers. So it is a very comfortable platform. What I'm a little bit uncomfortable with was creating new virtual machines. Now, I created two already. I created a, a Linux uh, Ubuntu server, and we also had to create a Windows 10 workstation uh, to use that for our, um, for our imaging software. So we created the virtual uh, Windows 10 box. We loaded everything up on that, and then it's pulled so we can use that image so we can push that out to all of our workstations. So lucky for us, though, when we're migrating from one platform to another, at least with ESXi, we have a very, very unique uh, tool out there that makes it very easy for us to be able to manage that and to pull that software down. And best of all, it's free. Now, the tool is called VMware vCenter Converter Standalone. I know that's a mouthful, right? It's VMware vCenter Converter standalone. Now I've used this many, many times in the past uh, to capture a physical machine and turn it into a virtual machine. That is where it's really, it really shines there. Uh, it, it's absolutely positively a, a perfect solution to do that with. So let's say you have, you know, physical boxes and you're thinking of virtualizing, but you don't want to go through all that time of migrating all those old boxes to new uh, virtual machines. And it does take a while. So all you have to do is you load this up on your workstation. You basically uh, bring up the interface. You give it either the computer name or an IP address. You put in there your administrative credentials. And what it does, it actually pulls that machine down. And best of all, it will do it when that machine is live. So you can pull that machine and it turns it into a virtual machine. Here's the beauty of it, folks. You load up your ESXi or your ESX or your... Uh, vSphere servers and you go into the interface and basically what you're going to do is import that new VM in to your, your ESXi environment. Once you do that, you give it a network adapter obviously. You have the hard drive uh, set up, obviously, that's true. You're going to have the hard drive set up and ready to go. And what's nice about this is once you plug a network cable into that server or you pull onto one of the virtual switches on the ESXi server, it's very, very simple to go over. This is a very important step. A lot of guys miss this out there. I get called a lot of times on the phone and it says, look, hey, Jack, you know, this is a problem. And uh, I, I don't understand. It. Every time I bring up this new server, it says there's a duplicate name on the, on the uh, network. It says there's a duplicate IP and it shuts my IP down. What am I doing wrong? Well, all it is is they're forgetting to shut down the physical box. So down your physical box first, and I do suggest doing this after business hours. That's when we normally do it. You know, we wait until about 6 o'clock, make sure there's nobody around the offices, and then you can down that old machine, that old physical server. At that point, you initiate your virtual server on your ESXi uh, environment, 
and that server comes up and next thing you know you can log into it you can do everything you did as the other box because everything is there it's an exact duplicate of that physical box so to begin with simply download the program and i'll put a link to it in the show notes you will find a link for that next you simply as i said click on convert machine you will be asked for either the name or the ip of the machine and the administrator username and password once that happens as i said it simply pulls that machine down Next, all you'll need to do is you'll need to deploy an agent to the server or workstation that we are pulling. Yes, you can also pull workstations. This is extremely important. If you have a laptop or maybe a desktop set up and configured the way you want it to, you know, we have various departments, as I'm sure you do in your business. And in that department, you may have something like, uh, you know, your uh, your um, your payroll staff. You may have something like uh, you may have something. Uh, like your CAD drawing staff if you're in a, in a CAD environment uh, or an engineering firm. But you can actually pull those machines and have a virtual copy of those machines if you ever need it. It's just a handy tool. It's almost like having a, a backup for, for a critical incident, right? It's always nice to be able to do that. And this tool will allow you to do that when those machines are live. So it's almost like having, and I have it in my notes here, a little bit of a disaster recovery. So it's a nice way to have a little disaster recovery backup just in case something happens. Okay, so that is the virtual machines. And it's, like I said, it's very easy to do with the VMware vCenter converter standalone. The next item I want to talk to you a little bit about is power outages. So when a power outage strikes in your servers and networking gear, there is a lot to do to recover. Ordinarily, ordinarily, and we've seen this, right, in many networks, if you've been a network administrator as long as I have, you know that power outages happen. And when a power outage happens, you know it's very easy to recover because the battery backups are set to recover your, your servers, and the server should start back up. But there's been a little issue going on uh, that I've noticed on this new network that I inherited. And what it is, the virtual machines are coming back up before the NAS or the SAN or the network attached uh, storage device. So it's giving us errors that all of the virtual machines cannot find their hard disk. And the main reason is once I investigated and started looking a little bit and doing some background troubleshooting, I found that there was no hard disks because the, the SAN or the network attached storage device was not actually booting up in time before those virtual machines are trying to look for those. When that happens, one of our VMs happens to be the DHCP server. So if there's no DHCP server on the network, there was no uh, exchange server was not running, there was no Active Directory services running, so we had all kind of issues on the network. So if you can actually imagine, um, none of our servers wanted to fire up correctly so basically, even if there's no DHCP server running, we know that nobody is getting IP addresses on your network. There's a lot of problems going on there. Now, there was a very easy fix to this. Once I started investigating a little bit, looking at, and this happened to be the uh, Microsoft Hyper-V servers. Once I started investigating a little bit and digging into it, I found that obviously there's a delay setting on those servers. So what we did was went in and said, look, 
we're going to delay these VMs, these virtual servers, from booting up for five minutes. Now, after five minutes' time, so we found that the, the attached storage that gave the attached storage device time to fire up, start spinning its disks up, and being prepared for those virtual machines to come back online. So it was a very easy fix, but it was just something that you have to sit down and, you know, just think a little bit. Um, what do they call that? Thinking outside of the box. So if you think outside the box and wonder, how can we do this? Because at first we were thinking, well, wait, here's what here's what would be interesting uh, to do is when we have an APC, and you folks out there might know if this is true or not. I don't, I'm not sure of this one. Is it possible uh, with APCs, do they make a brand of APC that each plug can be set up to come up at a different time? Now, that would solve my problem also because if the plug was set up to come up, up at a different time, then I could start up the, the SANS, bring them up first. Once they are loaded, I can say wait five or six minutes and then turn the next plug on and bring up my virtual machines, and then maybe bring the next plug up and bring up my Active Directory servers on the physical box. So that would have been a great, great uh, solution if it would have worked and if we could have possibly, by any means, been able to do that. Um, so I don't know. Is there something out there that we can do that with? You know, I'd love to hear from you folks out there. I know there's somebody out there that knows a lot more about APC backups than I do, and uh, maybe there's a brand out there that we can use that may, in fact, work, uh, and, and that may, in fact, be a solution. So the next point, the next thing I'm thinking about doing is, being that the Active Directory is a physical server, and it's probably, I'm, I'm probably going to leave it as a physical server, just because it's probably the one of uh, the most important servers in your network, next to your DNS and your DHCP, but since it is a physical server, I'm thinking of moving my DHCP onto that physical server. That way I know when that physical box comes up and it's working on local hard disks. So when that local hard disks fire up and that Active Directory server fires up, I know for a fact that I do have a DHCP server up and running. I don't have to worry anymore about this, uh, you know, the SANS coming up at a certain time. But so far, so good. Knock on wood, cross your fingers. Everything's been working as I planned it. And again, it just takes a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, thinking, maybe a little bit of ingenuity on your part to say what is going wrong and how can I correct that. So that is a, a good possibility. Um, can you tell me, and maybe you know, what other boxes on your network do you have that are physical boxes? I went to a just a little backstory here. Myself and my old partner actually went one time to a virtualization uh, seminar. So we're sitting there, and there's a gentleman sitting there from a major bank in downtown Pittsburgh. And we were talking with him, and we said, well, look, how many servers do you virtualize? He said, oh, absolutely none. I don't virtualize any of my servers. And I said, wait a minute. You're a major bank. You're a major network uh, administrator, server administrator and you don't virtualize any of your servers. Why would that be? And he simply told me, he said, look, he said, I want to be able to see my servers and touch them. If I want to reboot them, I want to push the power button, uh, turn them off. I want to push the power button and turn them back on, and I can see that server booting back up. He said, if it's virtual, then you really never know where that server is sitting. So there's some good 
and there's some bad thoughts of that. We know, or you know, or maybe you don't know, that most servers, if you take the time one day on your network, if you have physical servers, go in and look at their total usage for the day. Look how many percentages of the of the uh, the physical box is being used. How much RAM are you using? How much network activity do you have? And you're going to find that that percentage is amazingly low. So what happens with companies uh, such as with schools, um, I've saved schools uh, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years because I took the initiative to virtualize my servers. When we virtualize our servers, there's a few things going on. One, we're starting to use the, the physical equipment, the physical hardware. We're actually using it more to its abilities. If you get that physical server up, some people say 40% is good. Um, I generally say if you're running it at 60% capacity, that's fairly good. You're getting your money out of that physical box. But if you're running those servers and you're running your memory and you're running your networking and everything and, and the CPUs and you're looking at those you know, through the monitoring software and you're saying, look, I'm using about 9%, 10%, then you're actually wasting your company money. You're not really doing anything to benefit anybody. That's why virtualization started. Because somebody one time was smart enough to say, look, these physical boxes aren't being used enough, so we need to get more out of those physical boxes. And that's how virtualization kind of started. Plus what you got to remember, when you virtualize, now we can use less physical hardware. So now you start saving your company money in electricity, power, and more than not, you're going to save a ton of money because you don't have to have as much cooling in your network rack. Think about that. If I have 20 physical boxes, that's tw that's possibly 40 power supplies running in 20 physical boxes, and that 40 power supplies is doing nothing but eating electricity and burning up the heat in your server room that you have to try to maintain and cool back down. So that's some very good thoughts of the way to save your company money. And people say, well, wait, uh, wait a minute. You know, if I start laying out money for um, uh, Microsoft Hyper-V or Citrix or, or, or VMware, then now ESXi is free, of course, we know that. So you, you already save people money there. But if you wanted the failover and the fail safes and everything of the other versions, you're still saving the company money. Yes, there's a little bit of outlay in the beginning, but you're going to save a ton of cash on hardware. So it's just something to think about. Um, I suggest, you know, load these servers up, these virtual servers, load them up with more RAM. You know, it's nothing to have 60 gigs of RAM in these servers uh, or maybe even 120 gigs of RAM uh, so you can give these servers breathing room, but you're still saving money in, in the cooling and in the electricity side of things. So think about that. It's, it's a very good way to stake your claim in a company. It's a very good way to uh, be able to write a yearly report and say, look, this is what we were spending on electricity, uh, cooling and everything. And doing it my way, this is this is what we're saving now. And the company will probably huh, they'll probably fall over backwards, give you a big raise, uh, maybe give you a bonus check at the end of the year, and say, "Wow, you are a really great catch." <laughs> uh, who knows? It, it might happen. So, anyway, but if not, even if and I know a lot of you guys out there listen to uh, Mike the the Mike Tech Show. Uh, I know I do. I think Mike's a great person. Uh, I think Carrie Holzman is a great person when they do tech vets. 
you know, even if you have clients out there, even if you're doing this for a client, it's still the same scenario. Uh, virtualize their servers. Many clients, uh, I know many of the clients that I've had over the years have maybe uh, one server running, one physical box. Uh, it's running at about 9%. And they want another uh, server for one reason or another. Once you explain to them that you can put two servers on that one physical box, you now have a client for life. And, and that's the goal here is to have that client. And we can get in that whole conversation. Uh, I've been in this conversation recently about, well, why don't we just outs outsource, not outsource, but um, um, cloud host everything. Why don't we just put everything in the cloud, move it all to the cloud, and we can save a ton of money. You can, I think there is some savings there depending on the size of your organization. But some of these I've been looking at, and I've looked at um, the Microsoft solution, uh, all their stuff, the, the Azurus, and I just don't see the big cost savings. Uh, if you do, then I'm wrong, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take that for sure. I'll, I'll be wrong, and you can let me know. But is Azure uh, a viable uh, way of doing things? Or should we go with the, with the Amazon AWS? Uh, is that something that we can look at? Um, I played with the interfaces. I really enjoy the way you can set up a virtual server. You get an IP address. You can look, you know, hook your workstations to it. And maybe that's okay for a small organization. Um, I don't think that's something for something like a, a major bank or, or a major financial corporation or um, you know maybe doctor's offices that would work if you want to. Uh, cloud host their servers. I don't know. I don't know what's what what the answer is to that. Uh, a lot of you out there know that I am a a, a big um, a big user and I, and I push a lot of using um, Google's uh, G Suites now. They they rebranded it. It's no longer Google Apps, so it's called the G Suites. And I promote that because that is cloud based email services. Um, I know. Uh, on the Mike Tech Show, he promotes cloud-based email services because it's something that you don't have to deal with. It's something you don't have to back up. And they have more redundancy with those companies for email than what you're ever going to be able to afford for a small business. So it's something to think about. But should your Active Directory servers be out there? Uh, should your file servers be out there? I don't know. I mean, most of us do use cloud-based file storage, and we've talked about that before in this show. But is that something that you know we need to look at and something that we should have uh, at all times. Again, I don't know. I don't know what the exact answer to that is. So, but more and more people are trying to get their racks cleared out. They're trying to um, get everything out of their server rooms, and they're just more concentrating on the workstations in the workplace, which isn't a bad thing. And if you're if you have clients out there, uh, if you are doing a consulting company then that could be very well and, and very good because you have better management. You don't have to go into the company uh, to work on those servers. You can always do, you know, take care of those remote services from your own uh, home and from your own network connection, your own internet connection. So it is th something to think about. Uh, keep it on the back burner. Maybe we'll talk about that for another show. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Well, folks, we're going to wrap this show up, and I am uh, very, very uh, happy to be back with you here uh, on another Monday evening uh, in January for 2017. Uh, we're getting ready here. We're coming up on a couple weeks to the Super Bowl, so hopefully you're a football fan as well as a network administrator or server administrator. Uh, check out that, like I said, check out that new site that I created. 
um, moving the courses uh, to a brand new site, itproedu.com. Uh, <clears throat> right now, the uh, courses up here is 2008R2 and 2012R2 uh, courses. And uh, many, many people have taken those courses over the years. Uh, I get a lot of positive response. And a lot of people say, hey, you know, we actually uh, pick up jobs after taking those courses. So once you complete the course, I can tell you I will mail you a certificate in the mail. It's a certificate of completion, and you will have that to put with your resume. Folks, please remember my Amazon link where you can buy anything from Amazon. If you go to tipsfromtheserveroom.com, simply use that Amazon link whenever you buy anything from Amazon. If it's a toothbrush, if it is a can of uh, furniture polish, use that link. You pay the exact same price, and a little bit comes back to show to the show to help support us in uh, our endeavors. Once again, use that link at tipsfromtheserveroom.com. Make sure you deactivate your ad blockers, guys and girls, so you can see the Amazon link. Take care, everybody. And I will talk to you back here next week for another Tips from the Server Room. Take care. And I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye for now. You just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.